welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Well, it's Wednesday, October the 4th, 2023, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we want to share an interview that we were able to conduct with our partner in Romania, Petri Groza, on his visit here over the summer of 2023. In this interview, you're going to hear Petri give an overview of Rinjin uh, region, his ministry in Romania to orphans and vulnerable children uh, through region. Uh, Petri and his wife, Kyle, and their three lovely daughters also work with the Roma population of vulnerable people and vulnerable children. The Lord is doing so much through Region, but you're also going to hear how the Lord has used Region and used Petri and Kyle and their family and their community to minister to those who've been displaced from Ukraine since the conflict with Russia has begun. So I know that you will be blessed to hear from Petri, but also to learn more about how you can partner with our unadopted global orphan care programs. And so know that you can always go to our website, lifelinechild.org, to learn more about global orphan care. And we hope that not only will you get engaged, you'll look at sponsoring, you'll pray, and that you will learn and go and be a witness and a advocate for what's happening, not only in Romania, but throughout the globe as the church is mobilized to care for orphans and the vulnerable. Before we do hear from Petri, I want to remind you about the Share the Story events that are going on throughout the nation in a city near you. At Lifeline, we love to share stories of how God is working in the lives of orphans, vulnerable children, and families. Each year, our Lifeline dinners feature those stories of God's redemptive work and how the, the lives of vulnerable children and vulnerable women and vulnerable families have been changed through the work of the Holy Spirit through the ministry of Lifeline. We would love for you to join us at one of these highly anticipated events near you. You can always visit lifelinechild.org, share-the-story, or see our show notes to find a banquet near you. We started the Region Foundation um, with the vision of uh, seeing people regenerated. Actually, that's where the name comes from. The name Region came from our vision to see people regenerated. So together with a group of people from um, Romania, uh, we felt like we have to start something um, more official because let me go back a little bit. This was in 2015 that we started Region, but before we started Region official, official officially the Region Foundation, um, I started going in uh, one of the villages, especially in a village called Tuarklam. I started going there on a Sunday because it's a mission point of our church. And one of the needs that came out from the discussion I had with children there, especially, was that they needed help educationally. So they needed some help with their homework um, and they were not doing well in school. And uh, in, in this village is like a remote village. It's about 40 minutes drive from Fogaraj from our town. So they didn't have anyone to help them with their homework. So that's when I kind of shared with some of the people from our, my, our church, um, hey, let's, let's go help them. So we would jump on a, on a car, in a car and then drive there and let the kids know that we will be there and we will help them provide help with the with the, their homework. So what happened, that's how region started really. Uh, we would show up in the village uh, in a car, uh, the kids would come 
to the car and they would actually, we would do homework with them in a van, in a car. So we would lay down some of the seats and they would come in. I would work with someone, another volunteer would work with someone else, another child. So they would come with their uh, homework for mathematics or Romanian or um, English, because uh, in Romania we do English as well, like as a foreign language, uh, or French or other other subjects. So we started that doing that in this village in Tuarcla. And then more and more children started coming uh, with their backpack from school and asking for us to help them with their homework. We started uh, helping them with their homework, but then after probably a couple of months of doing that, we realized actually that helping uh, them with their homework meant for us to do their homework because they didn't, they had no idea where, what, what the homework was about. So they, we realized that they were about, I don't know, one year back, uh, you know, they, they, they were left behind basically. So uh, then we we realized and talked to to uh, the team of volunteers that we have to do something else because we can't just make do the homework for them because they get to school and the professors will know that someone else is doing their homework for them. So then this is how Region really started, I would say. Um, before Region, I was also involved with um, building a center, the, the, the Horizon of Hope Center that we have today, actually. And so for quite a few years before Region was officially started, I was working, uh, trying to build this center, which now is also on the region. But anyway, th this is how regions began. Uh, the vision was, let's go in, in these villages. Let's go in this village first. That's where we started and provide educational help. And that was our heart was really to show God's love in a practical way. We would go there on a Sunday, as I said, uh, we still go there on a Sunday. We have a church, mission church there, uh, where I go and preach and, and teach. Um, and, but we said, okay, let's not just go on only on Sunday, show up for an hour, worship, tell them, you know, about Christ and all that, but also go and show them that we care for them during the week. So that's, that's how, what we did. So, after we started in Tarkla, um, we formed this program that we today called called the uh, Homework Clubs program. Um, and we now go in four locations. So we go in Tarkla on a Tuesday for about two hours. And now we have a, a room set up where we have like a whiteboard and we have even a TV we installed there. Um, so we have some resources uh, where we can help the children. And, and so going back a little bit, we, we started a homework club um, and then we said, okay, let's try to assess every child uh, performance or level, educational level. So we, uh, we have part of our staff, we have a lady, she's a teacher. Uh, she works for the, the state, for the government um, in a public school in the morning. And then in the afternoon, she, she works for region. And we, she did an assessment of all the children um, to find out exactly, exactly where they are in their, in their level of education. So then what we try to do is to uh, give worksheets for each child to sort of help them grow from where they are to help them progress, you know, to see progress in, the, in their lives. So, uh, as I said, now we go uh, in four locations. One is Tuarcla on Tuesdays. On Wednesday, we go to Mundra. It's another village nearby our town. Um, and here I, I'm going to just pause a little bit because I want to mention that in each location that we go, we adapt what we do. Tuarcla, we go on a Sunday, we, we share the gospel with the kids, do Bible lessons for the kids. Uh, and then on Tuesday, we do educational, mainly help. 
mantra, they don't, these children, they don't necessarily need educational help much. If they do, we help them. But there we mainly concentrate on uh, providing um, the Bible stories and, and just sharing the gospel with them. That's that's what we do. We do crafts, we do games with them. So we have some fun when, when they come. And then on uh, Thursdays, uh, we go to Dejan. It's another village. Um, and there we have a good big group of children, uh, around 30 children that we we work with. And there, they're both, you know, Bible lessons and, and as well uh, providing some educational help for those that they needed. And then we also go to a neighborhood of our town, uh, which is mainly like a, a Roma neighborhood. Um, and uh, that's where we also have uh, a home or club. Mainly there, we try to do some educational, give some educational help because they need it. But it's almost impossible to offer it because there are so many children that come in a small, small space that we have available there. Um, so we mainly just share the gospel, sing songs with them, give them something to color, maybe to help with at least their dexterity of writing and, and all that. And some exercises, the girls that uh, go there, they they try to to help them with that. So uh, this was the first step of region, basically. This is how region began. Um, as far as how we, well, today, I can say that today we have, we do way more than just the homework clubs. We have so many other uh, projects and programs that we do. So this is what we've uh, been doing at Region for the first few years since we started. We started with the homework club uh, program. Um, but then slowly, um, we saw other, many other needs around the, the, the educational need. And, uh, we realized that we have to be involved in the parents' life. So, uh, we started what we call today, a, a mother's portrait. Uh, we call it this way because one of the ladies that work as part of our staff, she goes and visits the parents, especially moms, young moms at home. Um, and she tries to mentor them, tries to help them, give them even like physical resources if they need diapers or, and so on. Uh, but also talks to them about uh, how to parent a child, you know, and talks to them how to do it from a biblical perspective. So uh, that's, uh, that's one other thing that uh, we've, we've started to do. Um, and we just to give you maybe, um, brief image of what we do in a, in one day, you know, at region, uh, mornings are mainly, uh, spent at the office, uh, by the, the three ladies that work for, for us. Um, and they, uh, really spend time preparing, preparing for what they have to do. So they go through the list of the children. They go through the worksheets that they've done. They do attendance and see how, how, how if they were there, uh, the previous week or not. Uh, we also have a system that we created to encourage the children to come because what we've noticed that they start in the beginning to come, but then they get tired and they don't like school. So we have to do something different to, to help them uh, and encourage them to progress, you know, educationally. So what we've created is called um, the shop uh, in Romania, it's called magazine. Uh, so it's, it's the shop. So basically we buy a bunch of uh, toys and um, all kinds of other uh, like sweets and uh, even uh, school supplies. And we make like a shop 
once a month or once every two months, depending on how many points they gather. Uh, because basically they can, uh, when they come to the homework clubs, they can uh, um, accumulate points. They can accumulate points for behavior, behavior. They get points for work, so for uh, working well and for attendance. So then they keep accumulating points. And then uh, when the shop is uh, made or when the, the ladies from the staff, our staff, you know, decides, okay, we're going to have a shop, they can use their points to purchase things from, uh, from this shop. So that's uh, one of the cool ways that we can keep uh, kids coming uh, to, the, to the clubs. Uh, another way that we really entice them to come is with the summer camps. So we have uh, two weeks of summer camp. And that's sort of like the highlight of the ki- of the children. As many of them, they don't have a chance to go to a camp um, unless unless they come with us, uh, because we provide uh, camps for them uh, free of charge. Basically, they they can't really afford to to pay, so we we are able to do that to provide um, free free of charge for them to come to a camp. So th- these are the two ways that we try to keep the kids in, in line. So with this, there is a lot of work that needs to be done. As I said, in the morning, the morning part of uh, our office hours, they are spent uh, just preparing for the homework clubs. Uh, and then in the afternoon around uh, two o'clock, usually that's when uh, the teams prepare and they go to the locations where we have the homework clubs. Um, we also have some some volunteers um, for that come with with our team and help um, because in some of the locations we have quite a lot of kids that, that join um, and so that's that's how really a day goes by. It's morning time, it's office time, preparing worksheets and checking and correcting and and all that, and then in the afternoon um, we go to the villages and we work with the children. Uh, in the summertime, it's a different schedule. Uh, so we really work through the school year. That's our t- our time. But then in the summertime, it's a lot of preparation uh, for the summer camps. Um, right now, uh, starting next week, we will have a camp that starts back in Romania. Uh, and um, we, there has been a lot of preparation, a lot of props that had to be prepared as we, we will have as a theme, Jonah. That's the subject that we will have. So then... Uh, there was a lot of repression that needed to be done. And then we have the two summer camps. And also we have, uh, we used to have more teams coming maybe from, from the States or from outside of the country. Uh, not, not many coming uh, for the past few years, but uh, that's also a part, usually part of the summer schedule that we have. At region, we also have uh, other, other projects. Um, we have a wood shop. So that was made, that was built with the idea of providing an environment for the children that we work with, uh, just where they can come and see what it means to work, to work in a factory or to work in a, in a, in, at a company somewhere to be hired. Because a lot of them, uh, their parents, uh, they don't work, or if they work, they have that just day jobs in their community. So they don't really understand the idea of going to work and, you know, building something. And so we wanted to offer this context where they can come. We can, I don't know, put a, a, a um, screw, um, screwing machine or what do you call that? A, a machine that you drill, a drilling machine um, and put in their hands and just teach them how to just put a screw through a piece of wood, you know, or we usually, we do the cutting with a saw and all that, but they, they watch, they see all that. And then they get to 
build something from scrap of wood, you know, of wood, they, they get to just do some, some little thing or like a little car or something, whatever they want to, they want to create. So, so that project we've, um, yeah, we've been using it for the woodshop. We've been using it for this purpose, as well as we also had some uh, orders from companies around. Um, so we've built some things that we sold from, from the woodshop. Um, so that's uh, another project. Uh, a recent project that we actually just uh, started is what we call the social homes, uh, social apartments. We have, we just built uh, two apartments, but they're very small, just a bedroom, a kitchenette and a bathroom uh, for that we will make available for people that cannot afford to get a rent, to pay rent in town. Um, so we have one person living in one of those, and then uh, one is almost ready, and we already have some requests for 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 that one. Uh, we also um, have what we call the Good Samaritan pr program, uh, through which we help uh, we provide physical resources. So basically, if a family we notice that has very poor and bad conditions. And especially if they have children coming to our home or clubs, then we try to step in and help a little bit and just help with the improvement of the situation there. Um, just recently, a couple of months ago, we've uh, done that with a family from one of the neighborhoods of our, of our town. And uh, we spent a couple of thousands of dollars there just getting rid of all the cockroaches and all the the uh, dirt that was there and they were living in insanitary conditions. And we decided let's go in. So that, that's what we call the, the Good Samaritan Project um, at Region. Another thing that we do is also we provide scholarships. So we've been providing scholarship for a few years. Um, just, just an example, there's one young girl by the name of Christina, and she uh, goes to school. She first actually tried to become a, a teacher, but then she realized that she that that's not what she wants in the first year when she started school. And then she switched to becoming a nurse. And uh, we've been uh, able to walk with her through the years. She's in her third year, so I think she, she's finishing uh, soon. And we've been uh, able to provide a, provide a sponsorship for her, helping her with the rent that she has to pay in the town that she is, and uh, as well as providing for some of the utilities that she has to pay uh, in order that she can uh, go to school. So we, we offer that. We also sponsor like a young mom, a single mom uh, that has children and she doesn't have income. So we've been sponsoring her just to be able to survive and to raise the children. Um, so these are also some some other things that uh, we we do that we are involved in. So uh, the we as as a foundation we work um, in various in a few locations as I mentioned in four locations. In most of these locations, the people that we minister to, uh, they are the Romas. They're Roma people. Um, in Romania, we have a few types of Roma people. Uh, and just as an interesting fact I, that I can say, um, it is the statistics show that uh, Romania has one of the highest population of Roma Romans in, in the world. Um, just interestingly, uh, the statistics say that actually the U.S. has the highest population of Romas. Uh, but um, um, 
Offici- officially, but ofi- uh, unofficially, Romania uh, Romania has the highest population of Roma. But uh, we work with, so there are different types of Romas. Um, there are the traditional Romas that speak the language, which is an, um, it's not a written language, it's just a spoken language. And they usually get, they have a certain way of dressing, they dress in red skirts and they braid their hair and their hair is very long. The ladies have like long hair. Uh, the guys wear like black hats and they have uh, beards and um, we don't necessarily work with those, um, that, that type of Roma, but we work with the Romas that don't speak the language. Uh, they, their skin is darker. So you, you notice that they are Romas, uh, but they are the poor Romas. They are the underprivileged. They live in usually in, a, um, the end of the village in a neighborhood at the end of the village or the end of the city somewhere. And that's, that's the ones that we, uh, really work with. So they are, um, very uneducated so they don't really have school a lot of them they don't know how to read and write so many of the ones that we work with especially when i talk about let's say the parents of the children that we work with but some of them they're older that still come to church and all that they don't know how to read and write uh, the younger generation um, we they've been trying to go to school some of them uh, abandon school in spite of the fact that we try to encourage them not to to abandon we have a few of the boys in Twarkla for example that they just decided that it's better for them to go and guard sheep and instead of going to school so they some of them they quit going to school in fifth grade uh, some in eighth grade or, or, and so on uh, but we so basically we really minister to to them um we've tried to find out exactly uh, and to measure the success, our, our involvement there and the success uh, of what we do there. And uh, we always know that it's it's a long-term investment, what we do. So it's hard to see fruits right away because it's something that you only see in generations to come. But we have uh, uh, received good feedback from the parents. So we, we go and try to get feedback from the parents and ask, hey, is this helpful for your children to come to our homework clubs? Is it helpful that they come to church? So their feedback is very well. They are really encouraged. Uh, they they want their children to come to our to our homework clubs because some of them they you see prog- you see that they're doing well in school. Of course, it's hard to to know how it would be if they wouldn't come to the region clubs, uh, homework clubs. You know, they could be way worse. But um, we have some really good stories that have encouraged us. And um, I hear I have to mention Diana especially. Diana, she's like fourteen. And she's from Twarklan. I saw, I saw her growing up uh, as a child, and uh, she comes from a very poor family and um, a very bad place, let, let, let's say. But she has been such um, such a such a story of success for us because she's doing very well in school. She would has two dreams right now that she's trying to to decide on to see what she wants to do so she wants to be either a police woman or she wants to become a teacher in uh, in school so we're really seeing someone having such dreams you know from a village like Twarkla, which most of the kids there they end up really bad uh, it, it's it is something else for us and and also to on top of this the most important thing that encouraged us is that Diana uh, shared with us just not long ago that she uh, accepted Christ, that she uh, responded to God's calling in her life and, and that she, be, she became a believer. And um, actually just not long ago, uh, she was baptized in, in, in our church. And she's faithful, she comes to church and she prays and she sings. And um, so she has been 
um, probably the highlight of our last few years in our in our ministry. Um, so I think as feedback, we we can say that uh, God has used us for, through the years. We hope and pray even for the future. And we have some um, maybe other examples of, of uh, young people that are really committed to to sticking with us and for the long haul, for the long journey. Because I think we try to explain to them this, is, as, as I also explained to my own kids, you know, that it's a long journey. It's not just, you can't just come for like a week and then say, oh, I, I will improve at school it, or I will learn about the Bible, but you have to, to come and stick for the, for the long journey. Um, and, um, yeah, there, there are, there, I think there's good feedback that we receive, especially from, from the parents. We are also involved in, um, the, the orphanage in our local town. Uh, we actually call them placement center or the government in Romania doesn't like to call them orphanages, but they're called placement centers. So we are involved in the placement center in our town. It's actually called, it has a name. It's called Casa Maria, which means uh, Mary's home, Mary's house. Um, so we've started to be involved there. Um, a couple of years ago, and we had to start slowly uh, to build a relationship with the girls there. Uh, there are about 30 girls that are in the orphanage. Some of them are older, uh, some uh, just a few are younger, not, not many uh, young, but a lot of them are teenagers at this stage. Um, so what we've started to do there just to sort of slowly build some relationship with them was to invite some of them um, by groups, uh, invite them in our home first. So basically we, my wife and I, and with the region staff, we uh, planned a night where we would invite five girls first to our home. We would eat together. We would do a craft like each one of them had got to uh, uh, draw their own um, t-shirt. Um, so that was just a fun activity. They were very quiet uh, at first because they didn't really know us very well. They knew the most uh, my wife because she used to go there before we got involved and she went with another nonprofit uh, to teach English. But then uh, eventually we we decided to start uh, working on our own there. And so since then we've uh, organized a few events for them. Um, so first we kind of invite all of them that came to our home and got to know them a little bit. And then slowly we, we started uh, having them come to our, to the center, to the Horizon of Hope Center that we have. So out there we had a few events, uh, actually also Lifeline. Um, we had an event there with Baki and Cayman and we had uh, um, just a few things that we, we told them or that was were taught to them. Um, and uh, also we did a craft with them when they came. Um, so we had, we had such events. Another event that we had also at the center was that we invited a cook, uh, because we asked the girls, Hey, how can we help you? How, how can we, can we invest in you? What would you like to learn? And so they uh, said, Oh, we would like to learn how to cook. So we talked to a cook in, in our town. He came at the center. He brought all the stuff that he needed. We had also stuff there in our kitchen. Um, so they learn how to do poached eggs, for example. Um, so there was a fun activity for them. They've never, and they also were taught to make mayonnaise, how to make from scratch. Um, and um, this, these are some of the things that we're trying to do now. Um, 
we have a partnership, but like a legal official partnership with a convention with the state. So they allow us to go into the, the placement center and, and just take the girls out. Um, we have, even though we've not been so involved there, one reason is that we are trying to take, to take things or uh, slow, you know, not to go in there and without knowing them, start doing a lot of things with them. Uh, first, we want to build a relationship, um, but also uh, we we are trying to just be careful um, how we how we present ourselves to the officials, to the to the people, because as evangelical Christians, you know, sometimes we're not received very well uh, by the state. Uh, but because we are a nonprofit organization, then they receive us. Uh, they receive us better. Um, another thing that we've done was also to offer all the girls the option of coming to our church on Sundays. So that was something that we've done. We would go and pick them up and bring them to our church, uh, and that was, uh, I think, a divine um, idea for us to just go and offer them if they want to come to church. Because uh, for the past two years since we've been involved there, uh, we have one of the girls that actually was baptized in our church uh, not just a few months ago, uh, together with my daughter, actually. My daughter was uh, baptized at the last one. This girl from Torkla, Diana, that I mentioned, and also uh, Christina, um, a, a young girl from uh, from the placement center in town. So we, we see God at work. We are really thankful to have the opportunity to be there and to do things with them. And to um, we 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 hope and we pray that we will be able actually to do more. And we are thinking and praying that God will maybe bring us uh, a person that we could that we would be part of our staff that would work specifically with the the girls and with the teenagers in our programs. So uh, that's that's a prayer request that we that we have for the placement center. So we, it was a pleasure. It was a, um, a pleasure for us to, to use the Horizon of Hope Center for a lot of these activities with the girls from the orphanage, as well as we also use the Horizon of Hope Center for uh, activities with uh, the children from, from the homework clubs. Uh, however, last year, uh, when the war in Ukraine began, uh, our center was empty. We did not have anyone in the center. So it was a blessing in a sense that we were able to provide to uh, make uh, the center available for the Ukrainian refugees that came over the border. Um, we've had, we had our first family actually just the second day after the war began. It was just a family from Odessa. Um, they were both working at the ballet theater in Odessa. And so they came with their little uh, child to our center. And then slowly in the weeks to come, just a week or two after that, uh, our center was filled up. Um, uh, we had over 30 people that were staying at our center. Um, and we were able to provide um, all, all the resources that, that they needed. We provided food, we provided clothes, we provided medicine for them and, and any, any other things that they needed, um, a region was able to provide. Uh, we've had the help of Lifeline a big time in, in this and uh, Lifeline helped us so much with, with the resources, financial resources. That, uh, so, so then we were able to, to take care of the, the refugees while they're at, at the center. Uh, through the next months, we've had people that came and stayed maybe just for one day in transit. Um, they slept and they moved on to Europe, to other countries. We've had others that stayed for six months in, in our center, families that, that uh, found a refuge there at the center. Um, and uh, we we were able to, as I said, provide for all their needs while, while they were there at the center. Uh, 
Overall, we've had over 250 refugees that came through our center uh, for the the whole year. Uh, Our last family actually left in 2023, uh, around March. Um, that was uh, that was our last family. Most of them, I would say, probably half of the refugees went back to to Ukraine. Uh, later, uh, I don't know, five six months after the war started, they uh, went back. A lot of the young, the moms, single moms with uh, their or single moms, moms with their children, they came to stay, and the the uh, husbands were back in in uh, Ukraine. They decided to go back to to be with their husbands. If there was a family, they managed to come out, or if there was a single person, then usually they moved on uh, to to another country. Um, but we we've had the privilege to hear all the stories. Each each we prayed with each one of them. We've uh, gave suggestions. We tried to help them decide what to do next in life. And actually, we've also hosted one of the partners of Lifeline, uh, Slavik and Aliona, and their family for quite a while. And it has been such an encouragement for myself, my wife, and our staff at Region just to get to know them. And actually, they they didn't know at, at the first stages, they didn't know what to do next. They were very confused and they didn't know if they should move on to another country. Or um, So uh, just in the discussions that we had, my wife actually one day just suggested, said, hey, you guys do camps in you know back home in Odessa. Why don't you do a camp for the Ukrainian refugees in Romania? So that kind of uh, put a, a light in, in their soul at that moment. And they, that's all that like Slavic was like, I can't, I couldn't sleep last night. I, we have to think of doing this, doing a camp here now for the Ukrainian refugees. So that ended uh, happening basically at our center. He started organizing, uh, talking to volunteers. He brought a bunch of volunteers that uh, tented uh, uh, there and it was a tent camp. So a camp in tents and God provided for everything, provided the tents we needed. Uh, provided the resources that we needed to build uh, um, another building in the back with showers and uh, toilets and and sinks for the campers. And so we had two weeks of camps on our ground uh, at the Horizon Fob Center on the on the fields behind it, the yard behind it. Um, and uh, we, there were over 90 children in those two weeks that came from all over Romania and participated uh, in, in our camps. They also did the Slavic and together with, uh, I think, Madison and Yuri too came and helped for that period of time, uh, which are also lifeline partners. And they also went to another location to uh, some uh, some friends of mine, a uh, pastor from Sigishwara, uh, that they had a lot of Ukrainians there. So they went and did like a day camp for uh, for uh, almost a week there uh, with the Ukrainian uh, team that were uh, staying at our center. So we've, we've seen God at work in such a mighty way through this whole time that uh, we've helped Ukrainians. Uh, we've had stories of like a pastor from Kiev coming out with two cars filled up and leaving behind everything that they owned. Uh, they came out with their parents, with the parents of his wife, the pastor's wife. They were at our center for a couple of months and then they moved on to Croatia. He's actually pastoring a church of Ukrainians now in Croatia. Uh, we've we've heard so many stories and walked through so many journeys with them. Uh, the the parents-in-law of this pastor, his parent, father-in-law, uh, was discovered with the cancer once they got to Croatia. It was terminal cancer, so they they lost uh, they lost him. Um, but um, it's it's been an amazing an amazing journey for us. I think to to just walk alongside the Ukra- our Ukrainian friends. We continue to support um, uh, what's going on right now uh, in Ukraine. Um, 
we are supporting the people that need help. So uh, we've sent a lot of aid, even from the beginning of the war, we started sending generators. We started sending, we've sent like 25,000 pounds of food into Ukraine. Uh, we uh, as well sent medical supplies right in the beginning when there were, there was a big need of medical supplies. We sent antibiotics and gloves and tourniquets, I think they're called, uh, and which actually a lot of those medical supplies ended up uh, being used by the army, by the soldiers. Um, and um, we've uh, helped also to purchase like a truck for uh, a ministry that was hauling stuff into Ukraine. Um, and we, we continue even today to, to send aid. Uh, it, it's mainly in the financial form. So we have some partners that still go into Ukraine. And so we just purchase either purchase products for them and send them to them or send money to them and they purchase and send them into the into the areas where there there's a need i've gone personally i've gone three times to ukraine um, during last year and um either i went to help slavic to take aid into ukraine so we went with two vans i drove one he drove one and i spent uh, like a whole week there in odessa and also traveling all the way to nikolaev um, and also almost like uh, 20, I was about 20 miles from the uh, Russian line, from where the Russians were. Um, and so I, I've seen with my own eyes, you know, the, the challenges that the people that especially were close to the war zone. Um, so um, it, it has been, I can say, maybe a privilege for me to go and help there. Uh, and we continue. We have the same heart to continue to help them um, and send aid to, to Ukraine. For us as a family to be part of uh, what we do um, is an adventure, I would say. Um, we, we live by faith, we uh, as a family. Um, my wife, she's an American, so my, my children are both uh, Romanians and Americans, and um, they live in, in Romania. They go to the Romanian school, public school there. Um, I'm, they, even though they would love to be more involved in actually what we do at region, unfortunately, because of the high capacity um, pro programs at school in Romania, uh, they, they can't, they don't really have the physical time to come and join the, all the homework clubs. However, they, they are involved in all the activities that we try to do with the girls from the placement center. Uh, they also come to all the summer camps that we do together. Uh, they join the team, join the team, uh, the teams when they go into the villages whenever they can. Uh, but we've, um, we've experienced we've we've grown so much and uh, one of the things that we've learned i think working at with region and with the children that we that we work with uh, it has been to learn and know how to be thankful um for what we have um we've learned that we are so blessed we've learned that um, god has given us this opportunity to invest in others as well and even my children i think uh, being exposed to all the poverty and all the uh, dysfunctional families knowing all the cases and all the problems that these kids go through they have been so thankful for 
their family. They have been so thankful for what they have and the conditions that they are, are raised in. And um, I think just we've all uh, seen God at work in, in many ways in our in our lives from from the provision that He has for us, from the fact that He provides uh, for our for our own family, to to how He provides for Regen. Um, and, and our our girls have been amazed to see God at work. So that that really I think helped their faith uh, and and challenged their faith and helped them grow and and get closer to the Lord. And and even for them, um, I think that context of camps that's the best context and that's how they actually got closer to the lord so um, uh, i can just say that it has been a privilege for us as a family to to just uh, be part of what we do and and to serve and to um, really be god's hands and feet there there on the ground around our area Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.